Well, it's been a good day, hadn't it? I know that we've been here a long time, and we've heard a lot of testimonies, and we've cried a lot of good tears uh, today. Um, but I hope, I hope, church, that, that you recognize um, how blessed we've been for 39 years to uh, have the leadership of our pastor and my mom, and we have tried our dead level best to prepare for this weekend and uh, to put everything we can into making it something remembering. And uh, I hope, I hope that it's been that for you uh, this weekend. If you're a guest and you came, just your presence alone means so much that you would, you would take out of your time to come. And I'm thankful that you're here um, I know we've been here a little while, and, and you almost feel kind of emotionally just done. If you're like me right now, like you've been at a funeral and you're just ready to go home. <laughs> Thankful no one's dying, but um, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. And so I know the kids are restless. If that happens, just go out to the foyer. I, I, I do intend uh, to, be, to be very concise. And I, I want to say this, that, that when, I, when I thought about what to preach tonight, I'm going to be honest, I really, really wrestled with this one. I've been so used to the last two years just preaching the next chapter and next verse, so to just pull something out um, is challenging. It has been challenging for me to do. And so I'm just going to tell you up front that, that there will be no exegetical work tonight. Uh, there will be no looking deeply into a passage and uh, pulling its truth out. I'm going to tell you in just a second, I intend to do that starting Sunday morning. Um, but tonight, uh, God has, has drawn me to Philippians chapter 1. And I think that the opening of this epistle, where, where Paul shares his heart, is what I want to talk about for a few minutes. But since we're talking about preaching, I do want you to come back on Wednesday night. At 7 o'clock, because we're, we're starting a brand new preaching series for our midweek service. And I've titled the series, Praying Through. And, and, and this series is about uh, the prayers of David in the book of Psalms. And we're going to be talking about how David prayed through adversity, um, how he prayed through betrayal, how he prayed through guilt, how he prayed uh, through anxiety. And I love the Psalms because there's so much humanity in the Psalms. And so I hope you'll be back on Wednesday as we study that. And then on Sunday morning, we are starting a brand new series to the book of Ephesians. And it's going to be called Gospel Truths That Lead to Gospel Living. And I can't wait to go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And then on Sunday nights, we will begin a series through the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel entitled Seeking a king. And my heart is full as I've been studying for the last several months these books of the Bible. And I hope you'll come with a ready heart, an open Bible, and uh, a good spirit to, to get that preaching. Paul begins the letter to the church of Philippi the same way he did with many other epistles with a pastor's heart. He wanted this church that he started to know three things up front in regards to how he felt in his heart about them. Number one, he wanted them to know he was thankful for them. Number two, he wanted, to know, wanted them to know how committed he was to pray for them. 
And number three, he wanted them to know how confident he was that God was doing a work in them. So as I was thinking about what I should say to the fellowship family tonight, I was drawn to this text because it's my heart for you. It's what I want to share with you for a few minutes. I, 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 want, to, I want to plagiarize Paul. I want to copy what he said to the little church at Philippi. And I want to say it to the church that God has given me the wonderful privilege of pastoring. I want to say what Paul said to them in verse number three. I'm thankful for you. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time the folks in this church would come to his mind, Paul would clear off a spot and he would probably look up into the sky and say, thank you, God. And I know there's been a lot of moments, a lot of sharing, a lot of uh, transparency through all of this weekend and really the last week. But if you'll let me, I, I feel obligated to thank some people tonight. And I'm going to start with my best friend, my wife. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. You've been my partner in ministry for 14 years. I'm thankful for how patient you've been with me. How much you've prayed for me, especially in the early years of ministry when I had a hard time balancing marriage and ministry. It's, it's been a joy, Jenny, to watch God develop in you a heart to help me shepherd these people. More than anything, I want to thank you for being godly. You are so pretty on the outside. But the most beautiful part about you is your spirit. Brother Copes, thanks for introducing me to her. And I want to thank you in advance for being an amazing first lady. The Fellowship Baptist Church. Proud of you. Since I'm talking about her, I might as well mention the one that brought her into the world. You, Darlene, you raised Jenny so well. And what God has accomplished in her and what God will accomplish in her is fruit to your account. And I so wish her dad was here to see this today. He'd be so proud of her. Another one of my favorite people in the world is my offspring, my son. Kev, if you're still awake, <laughs> I love you. Thanks for being my buddy. Thanks for the spirit that you have. Thank you that every time we go to church, you want to come. I believe God has a plan for your life, son. A big plan for your life. And he'll, if, if he'll help me, if he'll help me, I, I, I'm going I'm to put you and I'm going to put your mama before this church. And if God will help me and give me the grace, you too will be my priority. And you too will be my number one focus. And you too will be my first ministry. I won't always get that right. I won't always get it right. But with God's help, I'm going to try. Mom, I could thank you for a lot of things. Fried potatoes and gravy. <laughs> peanut butter cookies. I just want to thank you for praying for me. You've fought many battles for me on your knees. I am today what I am largely because you prayed for me to be so. And I'm counting on your prayers. 
I love you. Dad, thanks for being my dad. Before you're ever my pastor, my boss, my mentor, my coach, one of my closest friends, you were my dad. Thanks for being a really, really good one. Thanks for teaching me how to sing. Thanks for teaching me how to preach. Thanks for teaching me how to love people. Thanks for teaching me how to give generously to the church. Thanks for teaching me how to be real. Thanks for teaching me how to be balanced. Thanks for teaching me how to preach my way through tragedy. Thanks for never giving up. And thanks for all the times you apologize when you messed up. Thanks for hiring me as a 21-year-old kid, giving me grace to grow in the ministry. Thank you for entrusting me to be the next pastor, what you threw your life into. Thanks for what you're giving me in such a sound, solid ministry. Thank you for showing unmatched humility and servanthood during the duration of this transition. Thank you for putting your honor on me just like Moses did with Joshua. And thank you in advance for every time that you'll answer my phone call and talk me off the edge of a cliff, give me a pep talk, offer your counsel, or just tell me, son, go to bed, it'll be okay tomorrow. I love you, Dad. Tiff, I could tell you thanks for being my sister, but you didn't have a choice. truth is that I'm as proud of you tonight as I was when I held you in the hospital for the first time. And all of this day, it would be easy for us to overlook you. Because I'm on the platform and Dad's been on the platform, but you are a major part of our family. And you've been a major part of our ministry. I'm so grateful that you and Kelby will be a big part of our ministry moving forward. I might technically be your pastor now. But I'm your brother first. I love you. Sheena, I'm thankful for you. God, use you to save my brother's life. Use your girls to bring an abundant joy into his life. Thank you for standing in on his behalf. We're so proud of you and thankful for Derek in Boston. Honey, thank you for teaching me how to play the piano. Thank you for spoiling me and my brother and sister and treating us just like your grandchildren. Thank you for the way you and Paul loved my parents, invested in them, believed in them, and thank you for the 25 years of labor into this ministry that you gave. I owe a lot to you. Deacons of this church, Brother Monty, Brother Bill, Brother Rick, Brother Kent, Brother Knudsen, Brother Mike, thank you for being faithful men of God. Thank you for taking the office of a deacon seriously. Thank you for loving and supporting your pastor and his vision for so long. And thank you for being loyal to him. Thank you for taking care of my parents. Thank you for your trust in me. I can't articulate how much I appreciate you and your wives. But I'm anticipating some incredible days of serving the good people of fellowship together. Staff men... And your wives, thank you for sticking with me. When I asked each of you whether or not you wanted to stay after the transition or leave, it meant the world to me that each of you chose to stay. You and your wives will be our best friends 
and our closest partners in ministry. And we need you more than you know. And we can't wait to make a ton of memories together as we're striving to shepherd God's people for many years to come. And to the Fellowship family, thank you for loving me since the first Sunday I came to this place in 1984. I know for many of you, it must be difficult in some ways to have changed my diapers and now to have to call me pastor. Seriously, though, the way you treated my family is a good reason why I wanted to be in the ministry. Thank you for loving my wife like she was yours. Thank you for all the patience that you've shown me since the day I came on staff as a young boy full of zeal but void of wisdom. Thank you for giving me a space of grace in which God could work within me the heart of a shepherd both in and out of this pulpit. Thank you for being so submissive to God's will in regards to the pastoral transition. There's been no dissension. There's been unity and I don't take that for granted. My heart is full when I think of how blessed I am to pastor this church. I want to tell the fellowship family, thank you for letting me. That's the first thing on my heart. I'm thankful for you. Here's the second in verse 4. I'm praying for you. He said, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. For all of his years of being a pastor, one thing my dad has taken seriously is his ministry of prayer. You know that. I was blown away this morning when instead of handing me a shepherd's staff or a runner's baton, he handed me his prayer list. Prayer list he's prayed over for 20 years. It's in two separate pieces. It's not white anymore. It's, there's not a color for it. Whatever color tears are. That's what color it is. It's stained with tears. He's taken it on every road trip. I've been in the car when we've gotten outside of town and he's turned around just to come back to his office because he forgot his prayer list. And now I get to hold that. I'm committed to following his example in prayer. As Acts 6.4 says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I might not get a lot of things right as a pastor, but two things I must give my life to are preaching and prayer. And when this transition started 18 months ago, because my dad exemplified this in front of me, I formed my own prayer list. It's not on paper, it's digital. Um, but I prayed for every one of you and your children by name once a week for the last 18 months. And I'm going to continue to lift you up in prayer every week, and my wife will do the same. And through prayer, as Paul told this church, I commit to you, I will rejoice when you rejoice. And through prayer, I will weep when you weep. Through prayer, we will intercede for you. We will pray for God's provision on your behalf. And we will beg God's richest blessings on your family. I commit myself to that ministry. I'm praying for you. Thankful for you. Verse 5 or 6, I want to tell you I'm confident of God's working in you. Look at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now that's a lot of confidence. 
When I look at that confidence, it made me think of a story about Roger Clemens. He's a, a, a pitcher, a right-handed pitcher, fastball-throwing pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. I read a story about him that happened on July 15, 1986, when he was pitching for the American League All-Star team. In the second inning, it was his turn to bat. But batting was something Roger Clemens never did. Because in his league, the American League, they had a designated hitter. Someone else batted for the pitcher. So he had never batted, just pitched. But the All-Star Games at that time alternated each year between the rules of the National League and the American League. And, and this year it was the National League rules, so the pitchers had to hit for themselves. And Roger Clemens found himself in the batter's box. While on deck, he, he took a few uncertain practice swings. And, and then he stepped into the box, and on the mound was Dwight Gooden. The best pitcher in the National League. The year before, he'd won the Cy Young Award. So a pitcher who's never batted was facing the best pitcher in all of baseball. Dwight Gooden wound up and threw a blazing fastball and blew it right by Roger Clemens. Roger stepped out of the box, blinked his eyes a few times, and then he turned to the catcher, Gary Carter. And he said, Gary, is this what my fastball looks like? And Gary said, Roger, yours looks better than that. Roger Clemens stepped back in the box. He quickly struck out. But he when he went back on the pitcher's mound to pitch for his team, he threw three perfect innings. Nobody on the other team got a hit. He was voted the game's most valuable player. And he told people that from that day on, after the catcher told him that about his fastball, he had a greater confidence in his own pitching. When he saw how powerful his own fastball was, and when he saw how it was working, he then pitched with all the confidence in the world. And Paul told this church, I have confidence that the work that God has already started in you, I have confidence it will go on and nothing will stop it from taking place. What gave him that kind of confidence in this church? What blazing fastball could Paul see that told him with absolute certainty that God would continue his good work in this church? Look at verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was confident of the way this church fellowshiped in the gospel from the very first day until now. That word fellowship means to partner. Uh, he saw how this group of very diverse people uh, had partnered together and he saw some very concrete and consistent things that this small church was doing to make Christ known to others. He, he saw, no doubt, when, when he went to Philippi, the, the, the woman Lydia who he, who he partnered with first, she opened up her home. So the church can meet there. That's called fellowshipping in the gospel. His mind, no doubt, went to the price these Philippian believers paid so the work could go forward. As he would later say in his letter, that you shared in my sufferings. You strove together for the gospel. He was thinking, no doubt, about what he wrote about in chapter 4. How that this little church gave so generously and sacrificially so that he could be sustained while under house arrest and continue to write these letters to the churches. And when Paul considered this little church and what it had done and, and what it was doing to partner with him in the gospel, it made him absolutely confident that God was working in them and he would continue to do so. Here's what Paul's saying. Your work for God proves his work in you. And I'm thankful tonight that I can have the same confidence in Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm thankful I don't have to wonder whether or not God is in this place. 
Whether or not he's for this place, whether or not he's blessing this place, whether or not he's doing a supernatural work in this place, I can be confident that what God has begun in a good place called Fellowship Baptist Church, he will continue. And here's why I'm confident, because you're serious about the gospel. You're serious about making Christ known to others. Your work for God makes me confident of his work in you. And it's been that way a long time. Many, many years ago, someone cared enough about this community to start a Bible preaching church. And at one point, they met in a small home. And because a small church cared about getting the gospel to people, they eventually outgrew that house and built them a building at 216 West Wilson Street. And because God was working in them, they had to build a bigger auditorium on that same property. The building many of you got saved and I got baptized in that building. And because they never stopped partnering the gospel, well, they outgrew that one too. Then they had to buy a beat up old grocery store building and turn it into a 70,000 square foot house of worship, which by the way, will be paid off in a couple years. And because you still haven't got complacent, we're now out of adult Bible class space. We had to build a third nursery and we're going to plant a third church in a couple years. Here's my heart tonight. If it's true that God works in the church that works for Him, don't stop working. We must stay busy about the Father's business. We must keep partnering in the gospel. We must keep making Christ known. Hey, God will be faithful to do his part. We must be faithful to do ours. So let's keep giving and let's keep praying and let's keep preaching and let's keep discipling and let's keep reaching and let's keep sending and let's keep growing. I mean, look at what God did as the church partnered in the gospel for 25 years under Brother Landis' leadership. Look what God has done as the church worked to partner in the gospel for 20 years under my dad's leadership. And I got news for you. We're not stopping now. We're not getting satisfied now. We're not coasting now. We're not settling into neutral now. If God tarries and he lets me pastor this church for the next 30 years, can you imagine what he might do if all of us stay committed to working for him? Tonight we close Another historic chapter in our history as a church. A chapter that's been full of changed lives. As we close this chapter, another one's opening up. And this chapter should look no different than the last. My prayer is that when my chapter of pastoral ministry at Fellowship Baptist Church is closed, that we could look back at everything that has happened and all the lives that have been changed and the only thing that we could say is by His grace and for His glory. I want to be part of a work of God that is so big that only He can get the credit for it. Would you join me? Would you be my partner in the gospel? Would you continue to work for God as He has promised to never stop working for us? Church, I'm thankful for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm confident that God is working in you. And so to close out the day, Miss Kay, would you come to the piano for the mic?
I want to have a time where they're going to play through that chorus, by His grace, for His glory. We're going to sing that at the end of the service. But, but would you just join Jenny and I at an altar? Maybe make an altar out of your seat. That would be fine. And would you just join me in praying that, that as we open up this new chapter as a church, that God would go before us? Would you pray that He would get all the honor and all the glory? Would, would you pray that Jesus would be the preeminent one in this place? Like forever? That no man would steal His glory? Would you pray that God would continue to enlarge our coast? Continue to open doors in our community to, meet, to, to, to reach folks for, for Him? Would you pray that tonight? Would you pray a hedge of protection around this ministry from the devil? I, I pray that whatever is in your heart, that, that you would pray tonight and join us at an altar. And what better way to launch a new chapter than a church on its knees? If you're a guest, would you join us in prayer? Ask that God would take the gospel and continue to do what he's done for so many years in Fellowship Baptist Church. Stand to your feet. Make your way to an altar if you're comfortable and if you're able. And let's pray tonight.